You're listening to Life with Impact. Join us as we continue to rediscover the heart of Jesus together. Well, hey, Impact, thanks for joining us. We are in week four, the final week of our series called Jesus and Blank. I'm going to tell you more about that. But first, let me extend a personal invitation to join us for our in-person services every Sunday, 9 and 11 a.m. So COVID definitely taught us that we need options. We can't just be about sharing the message of Jesus and being the church at 8299 East Stockton Boulevard, which is our address. We have to make options for people to plug in uh, without any walls of our building. Because we, as we know, as we've experienced, our ability to use this building could change just like that. And we need to have outlets so that people can continue to experience life with Jesus with us, whether or not we have the building. So I'm so thankful that we have this. But one of the other things that COVID kind of did to us and quarantine did to us was it could have made us lazy in some of our spiritual disciplines. And so we need for you to show up and be with us when you can. So if you've been recently, you've been uh, came in contact with someone that has COVID, absolutely, by all means, stay inside, stay quarantined. Maybe you don't feel well, by all means, stay inside, stay quarantined. Maybe you have a, 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 there's a risk involved with if you were to contract COVID and you're being extra cautious, by all means, stay inside. But for those of us that are just continuing to be lazy because we like watching church in our pajamas, in a quick snapshot versus the discipline of going and being a part of a community, can I encourage you to show up? Not just because we want you to be there, though I do. There is something that happens when we worship together, when the lights get dim and the music is loud and we engage in worship. There is something that happens there. There is something that happens when a whole bunch of heartbeats and stories come together and we laugh together and we cry together and we discover Jesus together. There's also something magical and incredible that happens then, but also... I want you to show up because we need you. We need you to show up and to share what, how God has uniquely wired you. We need you to not only take in the services, but to be a part of creating and executing the services, to, to lead, lead kids, kids' classrooms, to, to, to show up and be a part of worship or the production team, to, to be an usher or a greeter, to teach a small group, to don't, not, not just take in what impact has to offer, but be a part of shaping and delivering what Jesus is doing through our church. We need you to show up and to be a part of our church beyond just this. So thank you for joining it. Be here. I'm so glad that you're here, but consider being an even more important part by showing up to one of our services and serving and being a part of our community, shaking the hands and hugging the necks of those that call Impact their church home. We need you. A couple ways that you can plug in if you want to be involved is uh, February the 1st is a Tuesday. Our ladies are going to see the movie Redeeming Love together. So we rented a theater at Century Cinemark, I think it's called. It's Century Theaters, Laguna 16, and it's on Bighorn. Uh, we rented a theater on Tuesday evening, February 1st, and our ladies are going to watch Redeeming Love. Uh, it's, it, as always, you can go to that website, IMDb, um, search the movie title so you can see the content in the movie. So we, it's a powerful, powerful movie, but there are some scenes that might make some uncomfortable so it's a ladies only event uh you can go to www.lifewithimpact.com click the events tab at the very top of the page and you'll be able to register there because space is limited it's seven dollars a ticket which is less than you can get them at the door and not only that you'll be watching it with 
all ladies from our church. So I encourage you ladies to do that. While you're at the events tab at lifewithimpact.com, you can also sign up for our Decades Dance and Dinner on Saturday, February the 12th, Valentine's Day weekend. We thought we'd host a dinner and a dance here at our church. So you want to sign up and register for that. You will not want to miss it. It's Saturday night, February 12th, Valentine's Day weekend, Decades Dinner and Dance. And then the following weekend, on February 20th is a Sunday. Sunday evening, we'll be having our annual meeting. It's where we'll get together, talk about all the incredible ways that God has blessed us and some of the ways that we want to resource those blessings to, and, and to do all that God has invited us to do in 2022 together. We'll talk about how we're going to spend the money, so cast some vision for things that we believe God is going to do in us and through us in all of 2022 together. So it's Sunday night, February 20th. All right. Whether you are watching this virtual service at our website or on YouTube or you're listening uh, on, a, on a, a, a podcast platform, thanks for joining us. Welcome. Let me get right into it. We're in week four. The series was called Jesus and Blink because we wanted to really investigate how honestly do we say Christ is enough? That's a song that we sing here and it goes, Christ is enough for me. And if you're like me, Man, that's only half true at best, right? It's really, we're constantly trying to learn how to eradicate the desires and the longings, the affections of our life so that Jesus can really be at the center. We sing songs like songs I was raised on, the old hymn, I Surrender All, but we, as we're singing it, if we're being honest with ourselves, we know we're trying to surrender as much of us as we can, but we're certainly not at the I Surrender all mark yet so we decided to take four weeks to see if we can get better at stripping away the things that we try to attach to jesus to be all that we need and truly it would be jesus and nothing else we looked at week one jesus and our affections and it's it's letting go of the things that we attach our identity to things like those relationships that job promotion that that career title that we work so hard to have that jesus we really we love you but and we're going to serve you with this identity, this affection of ours is really important. And we just tried to do the work to say it's Jesus and nothing else, N not Jesus and our affections. Week two was Jesus and our assets. We decided to look at where do we find our security? And so we like to have our security and things that we can deposit in the bank that we can make sure that we can fall back on. But when, when waves hit and when the storm hits, Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. He needs to be the security and the foundation of the things that we find our value in and our security in, not Jesus and our assets, just Jesus. Week three was Kevin preached an amazing message last weekend on Jesus and our abilities. And, and sort of the paradigm of that is whether you've got so much to offer, you are a wildly talented person. May you not think that you are earning or grinding your way to the heart of Jesus. Jesus doesn't want your abilities. When we surrender our abilities to Jesus, he can use those, but you don't have to earn your way to Jesus by clawing and doing and doing and doing and exhausting yourself. It's not Jesus and your abilities. It's just Jesus and here I am, use me. And then conversely, if if there's just so many mistakes and the things that you've done, the things that you've created with your hands, they've just been destructive and they destroyed lives and you look at your life and you say, Jesus, how could you ever possibly use me, Kevin reminded us that it has nothing to do with what we do, what we've done, what we can do. It has everything to do with us just opening our lives and saying, Jesus, regardless of what I've done or what I can do, it's just you, not you and my abilities. This week, we're going to wrap up the series. So we decided that 
It's where, where, do we, where do we pledge our allegiances? Where do we have our alliances? Jesus and our alliances. Jesus and our allegiances. I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is nothing new for you. You're familiar with this, but I, it was kind of a rabbit trail I went down today. Kind of, it was initially unconnected to my message. It was all about the fact that we're in this, this week, this particular weekend, a lot happens for the NFL. It's the AFC, NFC championship games are going to happen on Sunday. And then in February, there's going to be one of two teams that will be Super Bowl champs for this season. It'll either be the Bengals, the Niners, the Chiefs, or the Rams. One of those teams are going to be Super Bowl champs after this NFC playoffs and the AFC playoffs. They just determine who's going to the Super Bowl. And it dawned on me, this might not be new for you. You might be like, well, though, what did you think happened to Dustin? But as soon as that game is over, the championship game, the Super Bowl was won. There are two teams that are going to that game, but only one will rise victoriously. But yet as the confetti is falling, there will be stores that will instantly stock Super Bowl champion t-shirts. When you leave the stadium, there will be t-shirts you can buy from vendors on the streets that will have the, the team printed on them for the Super Bowl champions. You will instantly be able to go to Amazon and purchase a t-shirt or a sweatshirt or a pair of boxers or socks or a hat that, that say the Super Bowl champion. You'll wake up the next morning and you'll be able to go to Walmart or Target and pick up t-shirts for the Super Bowl champion. But that didn't happen because somebody was grinding all night and wasn't come down the chimneys and the Super Bowl champion Santa Claus delivered those magically to every store. No, no, no. There were t-shirts that were made for the winning team as the Super Bowl champion, and there were t-shirts that were made for who ended up being the losing team that were Super Bowl champions. And so we only got to wear the jerseys of the one who won, though there were thousands and thousands and thousands of pieces of clothing and accessories that had a team name printed that actually didn't win. I, that might not be news to you, but it dawned on me, that's so bizarre. So what do you, what do, you do with those tons of pounds of of a merchandise that is never used. We'll, we'll come to find out after a specific period of time, those, the, the, all of those hats and the sweatshirts and, and jackets and t-shirts and, and those get put on a ship and they get shipped to third world countries who most likely didn't watch the game and don't have anything to do with the teams. And, and they will be the ones who will proudly wear the clothes the clothing of a t-shirt that says someone won that didn't really win because those t-shirts other than going to those third world countries are complete waste because they're not true they have a name of a losing team printed on them we make some alliances and some allegiances we wear shirts and when we wear the shirt we want to be winning wearing the shirt of the winning team but there are some shirts that were made that some people are wearing that has the losing team on them. They say information about a team that didn't win, that at the end of the game really wasn't victorious and weren't the champions. I wonder who are you aligned to because there are two teams today. There are two, there's a, a spirit of darkness and a spirit of light. There's the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and there's a God of this world, the kingdom of darkness, and we can serve either one of them. We can align to either one of them. Where are your allegiances and where are your alliances today if i was to say go to your workplace and and go to the break room or talk to some of the people whose cubicle you sit next to or talk to some of the people that sit in your office and do meetings with you and say what are some of the things that, that this person just loves maybe they would say oh they're a diehard Niners fan they love the outdoors they love to go camping they love their family 
They love photography, they love art, they've always got a classic rock t-shirt on, they love music, and maybe I would say something like, where, where, where do they think, what's their, what do they think about Jesus? And maybe they'd go, oh man, I wasn't thinking about that, but yeah, they love Jesus. I know that they talk a lot about being the hands and feet of Jesus, and they are. It's obvious that Jesus and being known as a follower of Jesus is important to them, and maybe, maybe they'd be like, really, that's, that's important to them? Because... I don't know, they just never really talked about it. In fact, usually when they leave a room, it's usually kind of a Debbie Downer room. They just have a way of being a gossip or bringing the the, the vibe down, bringing the, the, the morale down with just being discouraging or, or constantly being domineering. I, I wouldn't have imagined that they had anything to do with Jesus in their life. What, what, what things do you, do people know matter to you? And would they say that having a relationship with Jesus matters to you. I, I guess in essence, what I want to do is talk to us today about what are the things that you align to. I mean, maybe, maybe I would say today, I want to talk about Trump 2024. You know, let's talk about, let's talk about the whole campaign that happened in 2020. Let's talk about Black Lives Matter together today. I would love to talk with you about what you think about the LGBTQ plus community and and the way the church has responded and what is the the way, what is the, the proper response that the church should have. I would love to talk to you about, about gay Christians today. I would love to talk with you about about the, the mandatory vaccines. Where where do you find yourself on which which side of the of the coin do you find yourself when it comes to, to masks and, and vaccines? I would love to talk to you. Can we talk about abortion today? You know, maybe, maybe I would love to share some of your stories and, and, and tell you some of my stories. Some of what side of the coin do you find yourself on in, in, when it comes to the conversation about abortion? Well, to be honest with you, family, I don't want to talk about specifically any one of, of those conversations, but I guarantee you there were some physiological responses to, to one of them because we have things that we are wildly passionate about, some signs that we put in our yard, some flags that we show, some t-shirts that we wear, some projects that are important to us. And I'm here to tell you that there is nothing wrong with any of those. I've got t-shirts that if I pour them, if I was wearing them today, I would get hate mail because a pastor shouldn't wear that t-shirt. I've got projects that are important to me. I'm here to talk to you about what is your allegiance. Not that we can't have things we are aligned to, but those things have to be found underneath of our greatest alignment and our greatest allegiance, and that's to Jesus. I'm here to suggest the idea that we could talk about Trump Church, I would like to get to the point when we could have the conversation about Black Lives Matter. We could have the conversation about our response to the LGBTQ plus community. Because I think when we realize that our first and foremost allegiance is to Jesus, then I'm not looking at you as someone who I want to convince about this issue. I'm looking at you as someone that Jesus Christ came and gave his life for. And this narrative of your story matters so much to him that I want to take this moment to know what Jesus is doing and your world to be a student of how he's wired you and we can have a conversation together but more important than whether or not we leave agreeing with each other we would leave knowing that Jesus is the centerpiece of our lives so we can talk about everything else without negotiating who Jesus is to you and who Jesus is to me we can talk about things agree and disagree and make Jesus proud because Jesus being proud of us is more important 
than this passion project that we have. I would suggest to you today, before I even get into the message, that one of the greatest tools that the enemy uses today in the church are passion projects. Things that we can get our, get our we just get our jets going. You know, we get our motors spinning. We can feel ourselves getting fired up. We hit respond on that Facebook comment because it's something that matters to us. Can I say, let it matter. But may it matter subordinate to and in subjection to the greater work, and that is what Jesus Christ is doing in you. What Jesus Christ is doing in that person, may our pet projects never supersede the relationship that we have with others. May our, may our pet projects never supersede the invitation for us to be the hands and feet of Jesus, that he has our allegiance more than any flag that we can wave, any any sign that we can put in a yard or any t-shirt that we can wear. There, there's going to be, at the end of the day, one champion. And I want to be aligned with the team that wins the championship game. What does it look like to be aligned with Jesus, who we know is the champion at the end of the day? At the end of this life, at the end of the line, we've read God's word and we can say with 100% assurance the side of Jesus is the winning team. What does it look like to be aligned with Jesus? What does it look like to have Jesus be our one and only greatest allegiance? I want to look to us today with things our lives can be known by in order to look like Jesus. There's three things. This is in no way, shape, or form an exhaustive list. In fact, I hope all that it is is a list that you can start with so that you can dig deeper into ways that you can pledge allegiance to Jesus in your life in more specific ways. Three things. The first one is that we would live marked by suffering. I believe one of the greatest jerseys that we wear as a follower of Jesus is to be marked by suffering, to live lives that are marked by suffering. In fact, greatness being on the heels of suffering is not a new thing. If I say no pain, no gain, we know Nike adopted it, right? Nike, it's been on every Nike commercial. It's been on T-shirts. It's 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 all over attire in Foot Locker and in other sports stores. In the 70s, Jane Fonda made it famous in her aerobics videos saying no pain, no gain. You got to have a hard workout that the next morning you're feeling your muscles are aching, but those achy muscles are telling you that your body's doing work to, to become stronger. We know at the end of the Super Bowl, there's going to be some hopeful, hopefully some amazing plays. And, and when that wideout goes up for the one-handed catch, he's got to hold on to that thing, hold on to that football, knowing when he comes down, there's going to be a couple safeties that are going to sandwich him. And it's going to stink and hurt. But if he wants those six points, he's going to have to go up for it, knowing it's going to hurt to get him. No pain, no gain. Such is true in our relationship with having the all the things that a relationship with Christ affords us is marked by the suffering of what Christ did to afford those things to us. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 3 through 6, he was despised and rejected a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care, yet it was our weaknesses that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. There is a, a a suffering that we see here in the life of Jesus. Family, 
may it never be, God forbid, that we would treat Jesus like some type of fire insurance. What do I mean by that? I was raised in churches that were just preaching hellfire and brimstone. Maybe you've been downtown on the streets of Sacramento and a guy with a bullhorn that says, turn or burn. And I've sat in churches where weekend after weekend after weekend, the altars were full of people and the altars were flooded with people, but the altars were flooded with people because a preacher stood behind a pulpit and he says, you don't choose Jesus. And and you're going to burn forever. You don't choose Jesus and you're going to go and forever, for all of eternity, there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I remember as a little kid going to the altar weekend after weekend because I, I don't want to cry forever. I didn't even know what gnashing of teeth meant, but I knew enough to know it doesn't sound pleasant. So I don't want those things. So I'll take Jesus. Family, if a relationship with Jesus, we're drawn to a relationship with Jesus because if we don't do that, then the things he's going to force us to endure forever and ever is so bad that we're compelled to love Jesus. We're compelled to a relationship with Jesus because the opposite of that is scary. That's not a relationship that I want. That makes Jesus out to be a sadist. We would call that abuse. There's not a therapist in this room that would say you need to leave that relationship. If you're staying in that relationship because the person that you are in a relationship with is saying, if you don't stay with me, then I'm going to allow horrible, horrible things to happen to you. We would all say you need to leave that relationship because that's not the Jesus that we are invited to know. We are invited to know a Jesus that loved us so much that he broke down every wall that would keep us from getting to him. He took on every ounce of shame that was ours so that we didn't have to endure it. We were invited to know Jesus because his arms stretched wide and saying, I did all of this. I took all of this suffering on because I wanted to know you. Jesus isn't this cosmic fire insurance. I have insurance. I don't think about insurance until the red and blue lights are in my rear view mirror. And I know that I was probably speeding or one of my hot rods, they're all they're all illegal because either it's too tinted or it's too low or it's too loud. And so I get pulled over every now and again and I got to have proof of insurance. And I show the officer proof of insurance. And that's the last time I think about insurance because it's auto-deducted from my account. When you and I get to heaven, knowing Jesus isn't about just showing, yeah, I got insurance here. No, oh my goodness. May it never be or we just trample all over everything I just read that Jesus did for us. There is a suffering we are invited into that is recognizes what Jesus did for us. We don't run to Jesus because we're scared of the consequences. We run to Jesus because he loves us so much that he ripped down every barrier, every distraction, every divide, every consequence to every decision that we would make. He said, I'm going to beat those things because I care about you that much. There's a verse of scripture I want to read in Philippians chapter 3 verse 7 through actually I'll just read verse 10. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. This is Paul saying I want to know the resurrection power of Jesus and he goes on to say I want to suffer with him sharing in his death. The death, the suffering, the the torture that I read about in Isaiah, Paul says, I, if, if I suffer with him, sharing in his death in verse 11, then I can, one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. See, so many of us, we want the resurrection of Jesus. I'll take the resurrection of Jesus. I'll take this, this the, the, the tube being 
just gone and all of a sudden I, I rise out victorious out of the ashes of this thing that's beating me up, I'll take the resurrection of Jesus. The suffering of Jesus is the pathway to experience the resurrection. And so many of us just want the benefits of Jesus without being willing to spend time in the suffering of the cross of Christ. We need to be marked by the suffering of Jesus. Well, what do I mean by that tangibly speaking? Well, I think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, moments before the cross, moments before what I read about in Isaiah, that Jesus, the, the Gospels say he, he sweat drops of blood. He was under so much anxiety and grief and just tormented at the idea of what laid ahead of him. And, and we, in one of the, the most beautiful pictures of the humanity of Jesus, we see Jesus, if you'll allow me to paraphrase, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus says to his heavenly Father, he says, he says, Dad, I, I don't want to do this thing. I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to experience this torture. I don't want to take on the cross, that, the, 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 the agonizing, bitter, embarrassing, just disgusting way that they're going to treat me. He says, you're asking me to drink from this cup of suffering. And he says, is there any way that this, this cup can pass from me? He, in essence, says, I don't want to do this. This suffering is too much for me, he says. And in a moment where we see the humanity of Jesus, we also see the sheer desire of Jesus that his greatest allegiance wasn't to his circumstances. It was to his father. He said, nevertheless, it's not about my will. It's about your will. It's not about my circumstances. It's about what you promised me you'll do. He's, in essence, Jesus is saying, I'll endure this suffering that will ultimately lead to my death because I trust that on the other side of this suffering will be the resurrection power of you that will be demonstrated through me and will do a great work into all of the lives that come after me. Jesus said, I'll take on the suffering because I know that this pathway of suffering is where I'll experience the resurrection power of my God. And for you and I, it's, it's stopping just saying, if I go to the ATM, I just wish that you'd add a couple zeros to it so I could dig myself out of this financial burden that I'm in, this financial hole that I'm in. God, this, this, this marriage, this blended family reality is just wreaking havoc on us and our hearts and we just, just do something. God, this diagnosis that I got, just do something. And instead, it's about you and I spending time in the Garden of Gethsemane that says, Father, I'm going to be honest with you. I wish, I wish you would do something. But I, I know that the resurrection power that you are going to demonstrate on the other side of this has to be in me being willing to say, no matter what this path looks like, I will be faithful to you. And I will take on your suffering. If this is your will for me, if this is what you'd have me go through, though I don't want to, though I don't understand it, I trust you because I trust that the resurrecting power of Jesus, the resurrecting power of our God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead will be on the other side of us being willing to take our time in the journey of suffering. We need to be marked by the suffering of Jesus so that we can experience the power, the resurrection power that raised him from the dead. We live marked by suffering. Secondly, we lived united in purpose. I can do this one pretty quickly. If the jersey that we wear together that symbolizes our greatest alliance, our greatest allegiance to the kingdom of God, the kingdom that will forever stand, is, is the way that you and I engage one another in purpose. 
for instance, our purpose has got to be similar to the Super Bowl winning team that's going to know the playbook, that that QB is going to step back and throw a pass before that wideout's 10 yards from the ball. He knows that he'll get there, and it's good. if it's there when he gets there, even though he's here now, he'll be there in time to catch the ball, and they know the plays. They know what they're doing. They, they've studied it. The offensive line has done the work to protect the quarterback. The defensive line is going to stand strong and to make sure that they stop every play. It all, it's all working together. They are united so that they can be the team that that has the winning jersey, the winning sports memorabilia. What is our thing that we're united by? To stand on the winning side. It's it's living in purpose. I had the really awesome luxury a couple weeks ago of, of doing starting point with some of our other leadership staff. Starting point is when folks that are just joining us or they want to know more about who we are, they, they come to find out who we are. Well, on Saturday night, we were going to do it on Sunday. And on Saturday night, I just kind of got inspired to create something that I used the next morning. And it was, I called it the who, what, why, and how, or I think is what it was, of who we are. And the first thing was I just had some bullet points of who are we? Kind of historical facts about how long we've been a church and the founding pastor, the leaders before myself, uh, the things that historically speak to how long we've been around, our values and just historical, who are we as Impact Community Church? That's who we are. And then I wrote some things about what matters to us. And it was about 20 bullet points. And if you talk to anyone on our leadership staff, this is what, these are the intangible, organic things that matter to us. Things about being authentic, getting messy with people, being a church that's willing to say, I'm sorry, being a church that's, that, that cares a lot about having honest conversations with people. There's about 20 different things that if you talk to anybody on our leadership staff, we'll all agree these just matter a lot. This is what matters to us, who we are, what matters to us. The third bullet point is how do we do that? And that's the, the actual ministry models that we have. Things like small groups and discipleship. It's when we go feed the homeless with these community dinners. It's it's things like the worship services that we do where people come together to know more about Jesus and they sing songs. It's things like this virtual service that we create. It's how we let people know what matters to us. And then the last one is why? Why do we do any of this? And that's what I want to read to you today on the Live United and Purpose. See, the first three things were my thoughts. They were just bullet points of my heart. As your lead pastor, this is not at all my heart. This is taken directly from Scripture. It's two passages of Scripture that I read. Why do we do what we do? Why do we open up our doors? Why am I recording this message? Why do we pay to make sure it's on Spotify and Google and, and we have a website that you can go to? Why? And th this is why. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16, it says in the, from the message, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. Why do we do this? So that we can shine. Shine. God's word says, keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Impact, we are here to shine. I don't know if you've ever said this before. You open up the, 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 the blinds and look outside or be driving down and it's just a beautiful full moon and we go, what a beautiful moon that that is. Well, family, can I just correct you that no, it's not a beautiful moon. It's actually a pretty ugly, pimply rock. 
cratered rock that's just this gigantic ball of dust that's not beautiful at all. What you're saying when you say the moon is beautiful, that the moon is bright, the moon isn't bright at all. The light of the sun is hitting the moon just right and the, the orbit right now has the moon in all of its grandeur reflecting the light of the sun. The moon isn't beautiful at all. The moon is just shining the light of the sun. And that's what we, you and I are. What's the purpose that you and I are united to? Just to be pimply-faced men and women that aren't beautiful. We don't have anything. As Kevin told us last week when he read Paul's narrative, what we have is a pile of trash, but the glorious light of Jesus is reflecting off of our lives. And when people say, look at impact shine, what they're saying, no, impact is not beautifully shining. Impact is a ball of dust reflecting the light of a Savior that is beautifully demonstrating His light bouncing off of us and hitting a city. That's why we do what we do. Because we want to know, we want people to know that what we're doing is not shining our light. We're reflecting the glorious light of Jesus. The other verse I read is 1 Timothy 2, verse 4 through 7. Again, in the message, he wants not only us, but everyone saved. You know, everyone to get to know the truth that we've learned, that there's one God and only one, and one priest mediator between us and God, Jesus, who offered himself in exchange for everyone held captive by sin to set them all free. He says, eventually the news is going to get out. I can tell you this weekend in service, I'm going to look at our church and I'm going to ask them to say with me, it's not just about us. And I'm going to have them repeat that. And they'll say it with me again. It's not just about us. And about the time they think they should be done saying it because we've said it nine times. I'm probably going to say it again. Church, say it with me. It's not just about us because impact is not just about us. It's also about the people that aren't here yet. Eventually, the news is going to get out and and 1 Timothy ends, eventually the news is going to get out. This and only this has been my appointed work, getting this news to those who have never heard of God and explaining how it works by simple faith and plain truth. Why do we do what we do? How do we make sure that it's Jesus and nothing else, that it's the light of Jesus shining and nothing else when all that matters, the, the, all that matters to us is that the good news of Jesus goes out and that we are a part of telling them that story. Do we have ministries? Do we have pet projects? Do we have things that we get pretty passionate and spun up about? You want to get me on a soapbox? There's a handful of topics you can get me on a soapbox about. But what I'm learning is may I never get on a soapbox so much that I, I negate the opportunity. I ruin the invitation for me to tell the greatest story of all time, and that's the story of Jesus. The what I gotta be aligned to and I gotta be pledging allegiance to more than any soapbox or any pet project ever is that just reflecting the glorious light of Jesus. This and this alone is what motivates me. And this and this alone is what I hope we will be the remnant people that will also motivate us. Finally, we live life marked by suffering. We live united in a purpose and then we live fixed on the finish line. And Philippians chapter three Verse 12 through 14, again, Kevin read this last week. I just want to reference it. Paul says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things and that I have already reached perfection. He says, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. And Paul had just talked about how amazing his narrative was. He had done some pretty amazing things. And he's saying all of that pales in comparison to what lies ahead. I press on, Paul says, to reach the end of the race and to receive the heavenly prize for which God, 
the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. He's talking about the finish line. That matters more than every good, bad, ugly, amazing, noteworthy thing he had ever done. Most importantly was getting to the finish line and attaining that thing that is laid ahead in store for him. You say, what is that thing, Dustin? Well, I could give you all kinds of answers. Let me just draw from Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25 is right smack dab in the middle of Jesus talking in all of chapter 24 in Matthew is him talking about the end times when, when Jesus comes back to get us and one day what we've done on this earth will we'll stand before Jesus and give an account for those things that we've done to, to demonstrate the light of Jesus that we just talked about. And, and Jesus is saying, don't get so caught up in the right now that that when, when Jesus comes, that you're, you're busy doing other things. He's, Jesus is saying in Matthew 24, 25, 26, live a life so that when I come, you are ready. And he's, he says right in the middle of that, the master said at the end of the line, well done, my good and faithful servant. That is the prize that lay ahead of Paul, that Jesus would look at him and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I'll give you many more responsibilities. And Jesus says, he's letting us know that we one day at the end of the line can hear him say this. Jesus said, let's celebrate together. Can you imagine the finish line when we fix our eyes on the finish line that Jesus looks at us and he says, let's celebrate together. You know, you show me, you show me a team full of people, a franchise full of people who show up to practice in preseason not really that concerned about learning the plays or making sure to get a W in the in week one of this of the season and I'll show you a team that definitely didn't make it to the playoffs and absolutely most certainly didn't make it to, to be Super Bowl champions because we have to live like we have we know what we're what we're what's at the end of this there's a reason that we are doing all of this or else you would just constantly give in to the day-to-day -day circumstances the only way that that a player succumbs to the rigorous training and the 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 the, the diet of, that their nutritional expert puts them on. They don't want to have that diet, but they know it's part of of their the plan to make sure they're on their best. And they don't hang out party rocking the night before the big game, though they wish they could hang hang out and have a good time. They say, "I got to be fresh tomorrow morning for the fight to hit this city," so that so that I'm ready to go. They spend time in the playbook. They spend time rallying the team to make sure that when they get to the end, they're, they're counted among championship material. Otherwise, you if all you're doing is living for the moment, you don't have yourself a championship team. You have someone who never thinks beyond preseason. And the invitation for you and I, if you allow me to draw that analogy, is to remember that we are on the winning team. So we have to live as if that final game, if you will, that final moment matters, that we will one day stand. And though it won't be confetti because of a Super Bowl championship, it'll be the blast of... A trumpet blast and the sky splits and Jesus comes back to, to get us and to establish a new earth. And there's an invitation. I might not have a Super Bowl ring, but I'll have a Jesus who could look at me in the eyes and he says, good job, Dustin. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Let's celebrate together. That is the end of the line that I am working for. I have to keep finished or keep focused on the finish line. Philippians chapter 2 verse 6. Actually, if I start in verse 9 in all bold letters in my notes, I, I put, Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name that is above all names. Uh, my daddy taught me when I was young that 
If you ever see the word therefore, to read back a little bit to find out what it's there for. And so we see in, in verse 9, Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name that is above all names. And if we, since we see the word therefore, we read back a little bit and we want to know why did God give him that place of elevation, give him the highest name. Verse 6 says, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and he was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Then verse 9, therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God our Father. I remember a story I would tell a lot. You know, when you're on the road, you see you see a, a tour schedule for a band in all these different cities, and most likely they're putting on very similar to the same exact show night after night after night. You just got to make sure to pop to the next city that it is a different enough show that people are are, are not going to be bored with it. So you try to be just different enough, but at the same time, it's it's a pretty routine show. I remember a story that I would tell, and my band knew when I was starting to tell this story that it was going to be a long story because it was a story that I was passionate about, and it was a story about this passage of Scripture that one day every knee is going to bow and every tongue will confess. And I believe there is a great invitation for you and I to do it today. Why we still have the choice. Let me explain that whole story that I told when I was on the road was kind of... Uh, the the product of me getting bit by a mosquito over and over again, just all these different mosquitoes are bothering me. And I remember spraying off and trying to get them to go away. And I remember thinking, God, why did you even make these stupid bugs? Why did you even create these stupid bugs? And, and about the time that I thought that, I realized that I'm angry at these bugs that are just doing exactly what they were created to do. You see, the mosquito can't decide who wants to build a nest in a tree and become a hummingbird. Those stupid flies that are flying around your picnic that just won't leave you alone, they didn't wake up and decide that, that they could choose to be a fly or they could choose to be a bumblebee. They're just always going to be a fly. I don't know what the purpose is in the circle of life. It, it, if, if, I, don't, I know God doesn't make a mistake, but that's pretty dang close. The fox can't decide to be a cat. They are who they are designed to be. And I know even as I'm saying this, you're like, well, that's, that's super elementary, Dustin. And maybe, maybe you're right. But see, there'll be a day when you and I don't get the choice anymore. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. We won't get the choice to decide to be who we were created to be. One day, our, our knee is going to bow for us, whether we want to or not. Our tongue is going to say, Jesus Christ, you are Lord, whether we thought we ever would say that or not. There is a great invitation for you and I to choose it while we still can. We are the only thing God created that gets to choose whether or not we want to give him glory as our creator. Everything else does it because they're created to do so. The trees, they... They, they blow in the wind because they were created to do that. Every single living organism does what they were created to do. And they weren't given the option to break DNA in order to do something different. You and I were given the choice to say, though one day it'll all be made right again. And all of creation, including you and I, will bow to you and to say, you alone, Jesus, are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We have the invitation 
and the opportunity, the luxury to be the only creation to choose. Why we still have the choice? Why not align to the greatest establishment that has ever existed, the kingdom of God, the kingdom that will prevail, though we know if you've read the book, we win. The kingdom of heaven prevails. What Jesus began on the cross will one day be finished with his glorious return that sets everything right. So why not today choose to stand aligned to Jesus, or should I say choose to bow before Jesus, recognizing him as King of kings and Lord of lords, while it's still a choice. Let me read a couple of verses of scripture for you. Deuteronomy 24, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world. You will have trouble here, but take heart, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. We are on the side of the winning team. Ephesians 6, 10, finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We're on the winning team. Psalm 3, 8, from the Lord comes complete deliverance. Your blessing is always on on your people. He is for you, not against you. First John 5, 4 through 5. For every child of God defeats this evil world. We achieve this victory through our faith in Jesus, the one that every knee will bow to. We achieve the victory through Jesus. And who can win this battle against the world? All of those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We are on the winning side. Romans 8, 31 through 32. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who could possibly be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all of these things? Joshua 10, 8. The Lord said to Joshua and the Lord is saying to you today, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. Proverbs 21, 31. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory rests with the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 55. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? And two verses later in 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God. He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are on the winning side. The winning jersey isn't found in your passion project. It's not found in that thing that I'm so thankful you care a lot about. But can I ask you today, do the people that know you know you more by your pet passion project? Or do they know you as one that has been just victoriously saved? adopted into the family of God and just lives a life to be the hands and feet of Jesus. This and this alone is the one thing that motivates us to be who we are, not the passion project. May he use those projects to do the work he's called us to do, but we will never abandon the greatest alliance we have, the greatest allegiance we have, and that is the work of Jesus. I found this video that I'm gonna play, we're gonna play it in service. I'm gonna go ahead and put the video at the tail end of this virtual service, and then I'm gonna go ahead and also put the audio to it at the tail end of the podcast. It's just a reminder that we are on the winning team. So why not today align ourselves fully and completely to Jesus, that those around us would know by looking at our lives that we are on the winning team. I love you guys. Have a great rest of the week. Be encouraged. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. 
He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. Yes, he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your hand. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah! That's my king. That's my king. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week on Life with Impact. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Life with Impact. And to watch the full virtual service, make sure to check us out on YouTube at Impact CC. Have a great week.